Welcome to the Future of Risk podcast from Zurich, North America. I'm Renee Koa. Today, we're joined by Julie Bolton, Vice President, Middle Market Risk Engineering with Zurich Resilience Solutions, and Paul Pelizari, Vice President of Global Social Responsibility at Hard Rock International, for the second in a two-part podcast during January, which is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. In our first podcast, Julie and Paul discussed the pervasive and often hidden nature of trafficking and shared why many businesses may not realize they could be vulnerable to risks related to trafficking. In this episode, they'll be sharing some best practices for businesses and the public to help spot and potentially prevent trafficking situations. And let's get into some of those best practices, Julie. I know, as you said, you've created videos and training materials. Paul, I wonder if you would share what some of the best practices are for front of house versus back of house. And I'm just going to toss in, I'm assuming a lot of these are tips for any business. Yes. uh, In general terms, what I'm going to talk about would apply to many businesses. Um, However, one thing I would suggest is that every business should cater whatever they do toward their precise operations because Mm -hmm. there are there are differences so to touch on some of those best practices uh training as we've already referenced is critical so um training team members on signs to look for on how to approach situations should they suspect that there might be um, human trafficking that's really your starting point and then reinforcing that training Um, both with regular messages and communications to employees. And often that is done back of house, either through things that are posted or we have like pre-shift meetings where you you remind people of what they've done in training. And the ultimate um, way that you you really make this part of what you deliver is making it part of the culture. And Julie mentioned earlier, just creating permission for people to raise things and be able to talk about them, to be able to table something to a supervisor, um, that that culture change. And again, with the work I do, I also work on our, our problem gambling side. Uh, it's creating a culture of care where this is just part of what you do for your job. And so clarifying that, giving people clear direction on what it is we expect them to do, that's critical. We are also working front of house. This is still in the exploratory phase for us is front of house messaging. So there are some properties uh, and and companies that have done this. Often where you'll see front of house messaging related to human trafficking. So this would be some kind of message notifying people that there's maybe a 1-800 number they can call if they're being trafficked. Those kinds of places uh, so far to date, it's often where states have mandated that kind of messaging. And frankly, it's a tricky issue for hotels Mm -hmm. and casinos to execute this kind of messaging effectively and successfully. We're interested in in what we can do here. And one of the things we're looking at is working with some not-for-profit partners who support survivors. We're looking at a QR code that actually was developed by a survivor of human trafficking. It's simple. It has simple messages in four languages, and it can be posted in places like washroom stalls, other places where it might be seen and could be discreetly used by someone who is being trafficked. Uh, The first question I asked when I heard about this was, well, does someone who's being trafficked actually have a cell phone? Because I, I, as I'm learning in this space, I thought, well, maybe the controllers take away their phones, but apparently they do. So this is something that a victim might have. And so we want to work with all the right stakeholders, including our marketing and communications people, because 
delivering it effectively in a gaming floor or in a hotel is, is critical to success. But this is another key thing that is important um, for our industry to tackle. And, you know, I, I'm going to just step back a little bit because Julie also mentioned in an earlier conversation that trafficking happens across the country, all size venues. It's not just small out of the way places, right, Julie? That's correct. It's happening at the at bigger hotel chains. It's not just the grunge hotel that's out of the way. It can be happening in some of the most prominent hotels in your city. It can happen in strip malls, as I mentioned. The one that blew my mind the most was the large, you know, glass office building here in Houston where it looked like a, a law firm. And it was actually what they call an illicit massage parlor. And so it can be happening everywhere. I think the other thing that's important to understand too is in labor trafficking, that can be, you know, a housekeeping organization, companies that are sending out labor to take care of the, the homes or the lawns and things of that nature. It's also important to understand that this is not limited to women and children, men are involved in the labor trafficking as well and can be brought in to do forced labor, whether that be the groundskeeping, roofing, things of that nature. So that's why it's so critical that companies understand who they're hiring and bringing in from every aspect. It's happening in more places. It's happening under our noses and we don't even realize it. That's that's a great answer, Julie. Thank you. And now I want to go back to Paul talking about customer care training. Zurich's outreach to customers in the hospitality industry, but also for any business. Julie, can you list some of the things businesses can do? And Paul, please feel free to jump in with some examples too. Paul mentioned it's it's the training of employees and ongoing training you know you can't come in once a year and do the annual blurb you need to be continuous with your messaging and post signs as, as paul also spoke about how do you do this in a way that you know it's not going to affect your business but that's where the associations and talking with peer groups and understanding how others are doing it you can learn best practices and so I think that's important from the standpoint of some of the other ways we're trying to help is if companies put together a program or have questions, you know, our engineers are positioned to go in and do some reviews and point out possible gaps. And we're able to do that because we read a lot of the different programs and can see the best practices. And Paul, I wanted to just touch on something you talked about because it is delicate for a company to have a sign that kind of alludes to a practice that might be going on, but isn't it part of public information message to let us all know this is happening? I think the uh, traffickers are kind of exploiting everyone's ignorance. That's right. And I, I absolutely think that industry can play a role in talking about this issue um, in ways that actually can help prevent it. So Hard Rock has just launched a pilot education program that is intended to help the prevention of youth being lured into human trafficking. We worked with a very credible and leading uh, not-for-profit group in the space called ECPAT, E-C-P-A-T. They have a global presence 
Uh, we work with ECPAT USA, um, and they support um, survivors. They do policy lobbying, they do advocacy work, they research, and they work with industry. And so the program that we created has launched in South Florida, where Hard Rock is uh, headquartered, and New York City and Atlanta, Georgia. And this program actually goes into high schools. So it's an online quest game. It's been designed to be very engaging uh, for, you know, young people who are, uh, you know, on their cell phones playing all kinds of games all the time. Sure. And so um, uh, teachers who are interested, it's all free and teachers can make it part of the curriculum and take time in their classrooms to take uh, teenagers through scenarios that happen online and uh, show them signs, traffickers trying to lure young people and what are steps you can take, what are responses. And it really is just about generating conversation amongst high school students in a setting like a classroom where they can bring their experiences and perspectives, but it's really about protecting them against luring. And so for us, if we can help on the prevention side, that is as important as uh, mitigating a bad situation that might show up at one of our properties. Absolutely. And, oh, go ahead, Jill, sorry. Renee, I just wanna add, I mean, Paul, what Paul is talking about is, is absolutely so critical when we were putting our training video together we had the opportunity to speak with a victim and another young woman who had been lured into a sugar daddy situation and i still remember it was hard to listen but as we walked out i looked at a young woman who had been lured into a sugar daddy situation and just said i could see myself in you i just wanted to cry because I was like, mom's a businesswoman, dad's in law enforcement, and here's this beautiful, awkward teenager who hasn't realized that she's beautiful yet. And this creep comes into her life, lures her away. As Paul mentioned, it's the vulnerable. And I thought of myself at her age, and I said, I could have been you. And I said, how did it happen? And she held up her cell phone. And she's like, I could get anything I wanted once I met this man. And it all happened on the internet. And she was about to be put out on the street and trafficked when they picked her up. And I just looked at her and thought, oh, my gosh, you know, that could be anybody's child that I know. That could be, you know, one of my closest friend's daughters right now. And it was just crazy. You know, it's crazy how manipulative the traffickers are and how they do seep in and take over. So when you're um, giving your employees red flags to look out for, Paul, and again, some of these may be helpful for anybody, not just employees, but even customers of a business, um, could you could you list some red flags that they're looking out for? Certainly. So um, for hotel team members who are working at the front desk, we train them to look out for people who will appear there, you know, where there might be somebody who's controlling uh, trafficked people and look for strange dynamics between them. Maybe there's no eye contact. Maybe the people who are being trafficked are very sullen and don't look up. Maybe they have tattoos. There are certain traffickers that have different uh, branded tattoos that they put on people. That can be difficult because there's a lot of people who have tattoos, but it is a sign to look for. We train our people in housekeeping to look for signs in a room that there might be activity going on. So whether it's things associated with sex, like condom wrappers and looking out for traffic in a hallway, if there's a lot of um, in and out in a particular room, you know, strange number of visitors going up to a room. And that's another sign that we look for. 
Um, uh, when fear might show up again, if there's somebody who's controlling a traffic person, a dynamic where they aren't able to talk to anyone else. Um, cash payments. So when people are paying for the rooms and they pay in cash, another sign, which is sometimes harder to trace, but often traffickers will not book the room uh, in their own name, obviously, or use their own credit cards. They often use uh, the victim's name, or they might have a credit card in the victim's name and they'll use that. So anything where there's something odd about a reservation, or how they're paying, um, uh, all of those kinds of things. So uh, on and on, but in a casino space, it's a little bit different. Often uh, when somebody might be soliciting on a casino floor, there is somebody who's controlling them that's present there with them. And often that person might not be a man. So again, you can come to this with all kinds of assumptions about things, but sometimes the person controlling the person being trafficked might be a woman. And so that's harder to track. But if people observe these sort of strange dynamics between people who aren't like hanging out and having fun the way they would at a casino, those are all uh, some examples of signs that we train our team members on. Julie, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I think Paul explained, you know, the, the big signs very well. One of the things one of the victims shared with us was that she was taught to identify her pimp by his shoes. So when he said they don't make eye contact, that's one of the telltale signs. I'll also share a story that I learned at a, one of Elijah Rising's meetings. There was a woman who was there and based off of the training she'd been given around how to identify victims, she said that she was at a hotel once where she stepped into the elevator where there were three young girls and just tried to make small talk with them and felt that what she witnessed was just odd and she ended up getting off at their floor and saw that they went to different rooms and called the front desk and reported it and said it's just weird you know I just really got bad vibes based off of how they interacted with me they didn't want to talk they weren't behaving like young girls behave and it turned out they were being trafficked and to Paul's comment earlier the older girl in the group who was she said probably in her late teens at the time was the ringleader and the one who had coerced the other two girls into it and so you know there's a misconception about who brings people in but the young girl had recruited the other two in and it was it was stopped I think that's the other thing that we learned when we were doing the training in Houston was there's this misconception that the police will come in and break doors down and be disruptive and that's not the case. They approach it very cautiously. The hotel we worked with here in Houston also said they had to take some extra effort to ensure and create other means for staff to report because not all of the staff felt comfortable going to the police. They just didn't have a trust in the police based off of the countries that they had immigrated from. And so he said that he had to create other means for them to bring the reporting forward because they just didn't, they weren't encouraged to call the police. Yeah, that kind of loops back to Paul's comment about creating a safe path. Is mm -hmm. that part of what you meant, Paul? That's precisely what I meant. Um, and it's very important in our training that we clarify what staff don't do as much as what they do do. Our protocols around this, which are fairly typical of the industry, is that we do not want any frontline staff um, or team member intervening themselves. And our protocol is that if sees, um, uh, somebody sees something, a housekeeper sees something, someone at the front desk sees something, they are to notify security. And our first um, uh, look into this actually comes from our trained security personnel 
who have relationships with local law enforcement and security then becomes the one who will determine whether or not law enforcement gets brought in. So in the situation where somebody maybe is hesitant to bring the police in, that's actually not a frontline person's job. Security will determine the situation and then we bring in law enforcement if we really suspect something's going on and allow them to, to address the situation because making the wrong move could make a situation worse. And um, if somebody tries to help somebody, you, you might actually put the person being trafficked into, into a greater jeopardy than they're already in. So these protocols are very important. Our properties tend to have uh, relationships with local law enforcement and for something like human trafficking, it's a priority for us in terms of communicating with law enforcement. That makes complete sense. And I'll take it one step further for both you and Julie. So for a business that may not necessarily have security personnel, or if I'm a customer and I don't see anybody, it, call the police, right? Correct. And people shouldn't intervene with the victims either, I'm gathering, right? No, that's right. Again, there's just risks to doing that. If, if the person handling them sees uh, an employee having a sort of conversation with them, they, they they might either get pulled out of the hotel immediately, and we lose the opportunity for law enforcement to intervene, or they could they could face some kind of uh, you know punitive measure from from their handler. So that's again part of the training is we don't want you trying to be a hero, do the right thing, but um, you know it's 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 passed along up the chain of command. And Julie, in an earlier conversation, did you mention that victims might defend their captors? Absolutely. The victim that we had interviewed here had gone back to her captor. So that's where the psychological manipulation plays a huge role. It's a lot of, you know, the victims will get beat down and become dependent. And so captors can create an environment where they just feel like they have to come back. Okay. Well, um, were there other creative ways to help victims in public settings? I think the QR code is really great. I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to, to mention, or is that kind of the sort of a, I don't want to say secret code, but something a business would use and not really advertise. I was in a restaurant where they had signs in the bathroom that indicated if you were uncomfortable or needed help, that you could order a, a specific drink. You know, and they the wait staff would know that if you ordered this drink, they would know what to do. And they would make sure that you were either escorted out safely if it was an uncomfortable date, but that if you needed assistance to just go back, don't remember what the drink was, but I just thought it was back of all the stall doors. There was a sign that said, order this drink. Incredibly And clever. we will get you help. That is so clever. Um, Paul, you talked about the outreach program in high schools. What about educating the public who just may not be aware this is going on? I, I think that is important work that needs to be done. Um, and again, Another important thing for a company like us to do is to work with the right partners. And so education campaigns like that coming from the right voices. Um, and again, there's a number of, of very credible not-for-profit groups in this space. Law enforcement attorneys general's offices are very important in this space. 
Um, I'm part of the Broward County um, Coalition for Anti-Human Trafficking in Florida. Um, and so I think those kinds of messages are probably most effective coming from those kinds of groups. But, you know, another opportunity for awareness around this can often come around big events. So, for example, when uh, the Super Bowl was in Florida two years in a row and and our Hollywood, Florida property and our Tampa property, respectively, both had roles in, in hosting um, the Super Bowl. We use that opportunity as the first ever training, actually, that we did with our team members. But we also raised awareness and the coalitions that we were part of raised awareness within the communities that when you have a big event like a Super Bowl, you're going to get lots of different traffic coming in and lots of different activity and human trafficking goes up uh, around those kinds of occasions. So that kind of communication um, is also very critical. The different players in the space, putting the word out so that everyone involved in a big event like that is aware. Well, Julie and Paul, this has been such a wonderful conversation on such a heartbreaking topic. Um, and I really appreciate you sharing your insights today. Thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity, Renee. Thank you. Thanks so much, Renee. Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at zurichna.com and join us next week.